Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. These discussions are about how to discover, develop, and deliver endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm your host, Scott Perry, best-selling author of Endeavor and founder of Creative on Purpose. Learn more about me and my work at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest, Wendy Wren Horstline. Welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where they can connect with you to learn more. Okay. Uh, hello. Uh, I'm a potter, and I live in Floyd, Virginia. Um, I... Um, Go travel to craft shows. I also do some wholesale with galleries, and I have a gallery here at my house that people can stop by um, and purchase work anytime. I'm right off the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram uh, at Ren Pottery, uh, and my website is renpottery.com. So those are sort of my online places. Uh, or you can stop by the gallery and see me face to face right here in Floyd. So I'm really curious, Wendy, although we've known each other for a while, I don't actually know what your origin story is in terms of your, you know, what began your journey as a creative person in general, but, um, you know, a potter for sure. Okay. Share a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I, um, I started off as a high school science teacher in Charlotte, North Carolina. So that started in 97. And I started taking pottery classes at a community studio in Charlotte, and over the next 10 years, that sort of got more intense and um, just sort of tapped into a part of myself I didn't know was there. Like, I didn't go into the art building in college. I didn't take an art class in high school. It was science all the time. Um, and actually, I um, connected with a potter in Floyd and took a couple workshops with her and was at a workshop in Floyd in the Floyd Art Center where I had this insight that I wanted to leave teaching and try to pursue life as a potter, a creative person, uh, an artist, I suppose. Still have a little hesitancy with that word. But and that was uh, almost 11 years ago that I quit my job and started on this path. And wh how, did, how did that journey begin? So you didn't have academic training, which is probably may maybe a good thing. Yes. Um, and... Uh, but, you know, pottery, at least from my point of view, is uh, a fairly um, difficult thing to just, uh, I don't think you can learn how to throw pots by just watching some YouTube videos and buying a wheel. So what was the, what role did, did teachers or mentors play? And I, if you have, um, you know, a favorite teacher or mentor, I would love to hear about who that was and what lessons or, or um, you know, how they modeled the behavior that you wanted to emulate? Yeah, well, I had a couple teachers in Charlotte that I, that were at that community center for years, and I learned a great deal from them. That was a place uh, where, you know, you were learning, you were doing everything great, and it was accepted, and you sort of the teacher helped you sort of gain that next skill or look at what you did do and see how it could move and maybe be a pitcher, or maybe you could do it a little bit better the next time. So that was a very sort of safe place to practice. Um, and then I uh, took a couple of classes at Penland, which is a craft school in North Carolina. Um, and there was, I had some great teachers there. Dan Finnegan um, was my first, and he was just, he's a really great potter. He lives in Virginia. 
Um, and uh, Sylvie Granatelli is the potter and Floyd that I apprenticed with. So when I left teaching, I went to a community college for an associate's degree in craft and ceramics. And then I moved to Floyd to work with Sylvie. Uh, and she's somebody that has made, you know, a life in clay, a very successful one. Uh, and she's a strong, intelligent, amazing potter. So being around her on a day-to-day -day basis and watching the process of making a life in clay was vital to um, being able to make that choice for myself. It really, really interesting. You expressed a little bit of, uh, maybe I misheard, but it sounded like you had a little bit of resistance with um, embracing the word artist. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> so <laughs> what, um, is, is there, is there a distinction between being, um, you know, a creative person, which I would assert everybody is creative, um, and being an artist that, that causes you to kind of resist um, embracing that moniker or... Um, or is it the attachments that come along with, you know, the, the perception that people have of artists? Right. I think it's more of an internal thing for me, um, sort of letting go of that idea of myself as a very linear science person. Um, that is still a huge part of who I am and how I approach my work in the studio. Um, so artist, the term artist to me uh, has a, I guess, a connotation of freedom and um, spontaneity that I have yet to fully embrace. <laughs> That's interesting because yeah. you kind of spontaneously quit your teaching career to, to become a potter. So I'm going to encourage you to lean into that. Uh, I, I have, we were neighbors in the Floyd Center for the Arts for a little yeah. while, and um, I've seeing your work and, and own a piece of your work. And it's, um, it's definitely, I would call it art for sure. And as far as I know, art can only be made by artists. One of the things that I wrestle with um, about around the terminology, mm -hmm. um, because it's true in the music world where I spend a lot of time as well is, you know, when do you get to call yourself a musician as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, somebody that plays an instrument and there's, for some people, the mark of a professional is somebody that's getting paid for what they do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that that's, that's certainly not where I go when I'm looking at the distinction, because some of the best players I know are people that are not doing it as their means of making a living. Um, but they're the, the people that, uh, for me, an artist is somebody that's taking a creative enterprise seriously enough to treat it like a professional whether they're getting paid or not people that are developed like honing their craft and putting work out into the world and getting feedback and putting it up for discussion criticism praise and what have you um so based on that definition i'm just going to say well wendy you need to call yourself an artist because okay. that's what that's what you're doing so there you go i give you permission yeah. You well, have to accept it. <laughs> well, along those lines, um, I'm always curious uh, with people that have turned pro in artistic endeavors. Um, what 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 is your memory of the first time that you sold a piece of your art for money, and what impact, if any, did that have on your journey? Uh, well, the first. 
I think the first place that I sold my work was in the library at the high school where I used to teach. Oh, wow. uh, there were a couple other teachers that um, were making things and uh, the librarians made a little place in the back workroom for us to set things out. And other teachers bought and used and bought some more. Um, and I, th I remember feeling amazed. I remember feeling very touched. I remember feeling um, surprised. Um, uh, but it was a very sort of safe, supportive space. Uh, the high school where I taught, Butler High School, um, was a great place uh, to be a teacher and a very supportive faculty. Um, so at that point, I had no inkling of trying to do it professionally or full time. Um, but that was the first uh, sort of foray of setting that part of this new part of myself out in front of other people in a, in a way where I could get some feedback that I, was going to most likely be nice. Yeah, no, I love I love that. And I think that there's a really important lesson for other people that are, um, you know, contemplating, uh, you know, aspiring to get into some sort of artistic enterprise, even if that is um, something that's more entrepreneurial than artistic mm -hmm. um, or if, even if you're advancing some sort of creative endeavor that you're already have going on is a lot of the time we're contemplating how we're going to swing for the fences and hit a home run or, you know, like really go launch big yeah. and the actual true path and perhaps even the, the advisable path is what's the next smallest safe step that I can take into the possibility that I imagine. Because the thing about, I find about like project, like when we define what success looks like as a creative person, it's usually big, hairy and audacious and probably not actually where we're going to end up. But when we, because we don't know what the opportunities and possibilities are that we're going to encounter. We don't know what the right. challenges are that we're going to encounter. We are going to do a lot of pivoting and tacking and changing and backpedaling and, um, but if you take small baby steps mm -hmm. into the possibilities, then you start to earn confidence. You start to earn experience. You, you become better at your craft and you are moving towards, um, a better version of who you are and what you do, uh, and how, how that's received. So I, I think that that, that's a brilliant, um, way to begin and so when that moment happens like and i remember having this moment when somebody threw some change in my open guitar case that i didn't oh. intend to collect change in it's like oh people would actually pay me to do this yeah. um you know then at some point you know you at that point or if not before you're contemplating like well maybe i can do this uh, for a living or at, at least as part of what i do for a living which means that you do have to kind of have some thought about what does success look like? Did you have a thought then or what was your thought when you began? How does it measure where you are now? And maybe what, what's your thought about what success looks like moving forward from where you're at now? Okay. So what did that look like earlier? Um, well, when I quit my job and went back to school, um, that, well, I didn't, I did not have a business plan. I did not have a long-term plan. It just, it was 
for me, a really clear choice that I needed to pursue and um, explore. Um, and being in a school setting, even uh, in a craft situation, was really comfortable for me. And um, so I, I took it sort of day by day. And then when I finished up with Sylvie, and probably a little bit before that, because um, part of the apprenticeship program with her is to have sort of a plan. Think about what are you going to do? How are you going to get your work out there? Um, so slowly those pieces sort of to come together. But when I, And when I finished up with her, um, the big choice was where do I want to settle down and start to build this business? Um, and so when I got to Floyd and was at the art center for those, um, I guess it was almost a year. Um, you start to think about, okay, I've got, I can do this many shows and sell this number of pots and I'll probably, I'll still have my part-time job um, that will sort of just be a foundational uh, source of income when, if and when these things fall a little bit short. So uh, I, I, I did not have a grand plan from the get-go, um, so it sort of pieced itself together. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty pretty common. When I first started my musician's journey as a like full-time professional musician, the goal was, uh, I want to make enough today that I can get up and do this again tomorrow. <laughs> and enough money to fire the next kill. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's some wisdom in that approach just because again, um, it's easy to, to it, it's far easier to feel a sense of flourishing and thriving in a challenging enterprise like being a professional musician artist part or what have you if you're more fully present you know closer to the here and now and and not projecting too much into what um you know and attaching yourself too much to what you, your expectations are of success right. in the future or what worse what other people project as you know what success looks like mm -hmm. um and so you know i find um you know when i look back on a 30 plus year career in music it's like wow what a miracle that that actually happened you know but it, it did it happened one day at a time um so one of the things that i also wanted to to chat with with you especially because of your connection with with sylvie is and of course here in floyd just as with musicians you can't swing a stick without hitting a potter in this town right. and um you know so we're you're in a domain that's in in some ways very crowded, especially when you live in a small town. Mm -hmm. um, and but it's not difficult for those of us that pay attention to what's going on in your world to like see very idiosyncratic, unique identities in each person's work. I would just yeah. be really curious to to hear what your process was for like how did you de de decide on and and move into you know what ren pottery looks like as opposed to that of your mentor or other teachers that you had in the past mm -hmm. um well certainly uh there are aspects of my work that um are connected with sylvie uh, i use this a similar clay body she works in porcelain i work in porcelain um my my teacher at haywood worked in porcelain partially um I think influences like that can be subtle and sometimes overt. I think the 
I try to um, incorporate more of me in my work every year. Um, and that comes from my surroundings, the landscape, my interest in nature and science. Um, I, that, that is a slow process for me. I know for some people it might be easier or more in their nature to, um, for their work to shift dramatically. Um, mine is, seems to be more incremental. Uh, so bringing awareness to that so I'm not making work that is too reminiscent of somebody else is important. Um, but I also, I, I think there's also a, a nice um, sort of lineage of where I've been and who have been influenced, who have been influential to me along the way. Um, so as, as I gain more confidence in making this life work for me, I, I'm hoping more of me will find its way into this work. Um, so that's no, I think that's I think that's okay. really br brilliant. You you, you used um, the term um, remind, and I think that that's. I mean, as as a musician, as a blues musician, you know, there's some people will argue. Well, the blues is just three, you know, three chords, you know, a repeated line, and uh -huh. uh, and a refrain. So it's easy, and it's like, well, it's actually not easy. It's it's simple. Um, but simple's, simple's never easy because in order to do something simple in a way that stands out, you actually have to, you know, do things um, to or bring something into that in order to make it work. And so, and we all have teachers and we all have people, you know, they're the recognized masters and, you know, we have, our work is always um, kind of standing on top of all the, the great work that's come before it. And, you know, not that that makes our work great, but we're certainly aspiring to become unique and um, valuable and remarkable and, you know, worth somebody, somebody's paying attention and, and perhaps um, dollars for. So, and you can't do things that are so completely wacky that they don't remind people of, of, of what pottery is right or what music is so right especially um, making functional work <clears throat> if you make a bowl that doesn't actually hold your right. stereo correctly then you're you know that, then that bowl needs to be in a different environment it doesn't need to be you know right yeah so functionality is uh something that connects um and yeah you have to start it with something that functions well and is beautiful yeah, so it's it's. I think that it's important actually that whether it's your work re reminds somebody of somebody else's is one thing, but um, it should should certainly rhyme with somebody else's or rhyme with the domain that you're practicing or your craft in. Um, you know, pottery should still you know be pottery. <laughs> so I really like that. Um, so I'm going to ask some questions that are kind of off the topic of okay. um, pottery. Um, in general, just because I'm always curious about like the, the other influences. I mean, we are many things and, and you certainly um, are a potter, but you are oh so much more. Um, and I would just, uh, I'm just always, well, curious or nosy. It's, it's your choice. But um, what, do you have a, uh, a book, a movie, or, you know, whether it's a play or other kind of media, is there some, some work uh, in that kind of domain 
that you um, that was especially impactful to you or that you return to over and over again because it inspires you in some okay. way? Um, well, uh, so the thing that comes to mind is the theory of evolution through natural selection. Um, <clears throat> that was a particular area of interest to me in college. Um, and I find that the framework of that theory, the, you know, you put something is out in the environment and, uh, you know, the environment selects aspects of that characteristics of that object or being that work well or don't work well. Um, and I see that in my work cycle, mm -hmm. you make a kiln load of mugs and bowls and pitchers and vases and platters and, I live with them. My customers live with them. I get feedback, uh, which allows me to refine in the next cycle. And there are also influences of, um, you know, glaze colors that I find comforting and soothing and that I can fire well in the kiln. And so there are all these uh, influences um, that shape and slowly change the work over time. And so for me, that theory, you know, even though it's a scientific theory, um, <clears throat> I find that process comforting and a, a way to sort of gauge where I've been and where I might be headed. I think that's really fascinating. It's so I guess what, Darwin would be the answer to your question. Yeah, no, well, but, but the thing that's always in, interests me about uh, people talking about their work is there's always another filter that they're looking at their work through. And, you know, you started off as a science teacher. And so you have like this scientific work that, uh, and for me, oftentimes music is a kind of filter that I use to, ex to explain other things because it's something that I really understand. It's something right. that I really believe in and it's something that makes sense to me. And so it makes sense that I would try to make sense to others by pushing information okay. through through that filter. Um, how about a favorite song? Oh gosh. Um, favorite song. You can cheat and choose more than one, but I, I like to push people to try to choose just like if you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Holy cow. Uh, goodness. Oh, well, the one that just popped into my brain um, is an Elton John song. I think it's on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Um, the song has no tune, I think is the, the title. Or the song has no title, but a tune. I'm, I'm messing up the, the name of that. Um, but there's imagery in that song that uh, I find very beautiful. Obviously, uh, Bernie Taupin's lyrics, Elton's music. Um, there's something in there about a journey. I, I, I can't call to mind specifically, but that that's the one that came to the. I love it. I love it. That's you asked that, so I'm gonna have to revisit that song when we get down here. <laughs> what? Why love that? How about a favorite meal? A favorite meal? Yeah. What's What's the last meal? You're 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 being sent to the electric chair. You get to choose one last okay. meal. What's okay, it gonna be? Yeah, um. Oh gosh. Well, it would have to involve mashed potatoes. Uh, what else? Um, it would be like lots of like mac. It would just be like carved out mac and <laughs> mashed potatoes. Uh, oh, a tofu from this Vietnamese restaurant in Charlotte that I love. Um, 
probably a conglomeration or a collection of lots of those things. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Mashed potatoes is, is on my list. Yeah. So. All the comfort foods, all the, I wouldn't go for a dessert. There would be no dessert. I would yeah. want more salt, more fat. <laughs> all right. Last, uh, last tough question. Favorite place, a place that is important to you from your past or a place that you've never been, but you would want to visit or just a place that has always felt like home for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, favorite place. Um, well, my grandparents growing up owned this little place uh, on Dawson Creek, which was uh, the creek that ran into the Noose River. Didn't have anything to do with the TV show. Um, and that place uh, I went to a lot as a child. There was a lot of freedom there. There was a lot of, I mean, you know, running around, fishing, fun with cousins, time with my grandparents. Um, that was a safe place. It was a beautiful place. Um, and it was simple. So I'd go back to Dawson Creek. Oh, awesome. So I'm just typing uh, this, this question just popped in my mind. I want to make sure I, I save it for others too. And okay. I mean, so what, what your um, it's, it's, it's not surprising, but it still surprises me every time uh, I talk about place, about how it all comes back to belonging that, that, you know, where's the place where you felt safe, that you belong, that you were seen for who you are and that you were, you know, able to speak your truth and stand up and be seen, speak up and be heard. It seems to be um, something that's just probably baked into, our, it's just a fundamental yeah. impulse is that we want that sense of belonging. And along with that, um, I'm going to ask, I said that was the last one, but now another one left one to mind. Um, and it's, I can frame it slightly differently to keep my promise that the last one was the last tough one, but relationships, right? It's, mm -hmm. you know, we as artists um, have relationships with an audience that, you know, we either hope to seek to serve or that we do are serving through our craft. Right. We have relationship with collaborators, perhaps we have, um, and sometimes we may think of um, others as our competitors, although I prefer to just think of them as other choices. Mm -hmm. um, what are what are the the most important relationships for you now in in terms of where you're at in your in your artist's journey? Oh, relationships connected to artist's journey. Okay. Um, well, I think two things come to mind. Uh, one, is over the past several years, I worked with some other potters in the area and we created this group and we had a tour every year. Um, and we're now part of 16 Hands, which is part of uh, a crafts group, artists group that's been here for 20 years. Uh, so professionally, I think those relationships are really important. Uh, growing that tour, bringing that tour to more people and also supporting each other in our individual endeavors throughout the year. Um, and then I think there's also connection and relationship, you know, the family and friends um, that help you through difficult times. Um, 
And so I've had a taste of that this year and, and those, those relationships have been really helpful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're, our time together is almost done. The oh. last question is a question that I ask at the end of every single interview. So uh -huh. if you've watched any of the others, you may already know what's coming, but um, I would love for you to share one tip or piece of advice that you would like to leave listeners with if they are people that aspire um, to fly higher in some sort of endeavor, whether that's creative or otherwise, um, but some sort of enterprise where they seek to make a difference. What's one tip or piece of advice that you'd share with them for flying higher in whatever they're trying to do? Um, I would say persistence. Um, I, I've been on my own as a potter. This is my seventh year. Uh, and just, continuing to try some years are better than others. Some outlets are better than others. So I think, um, that persistence and being open to different opportunities, um, when you can. <laughs> Fantastic. I, th I think that's great advice and we're going to leave it there. I want to thank okay. everybody for tuning in. Wendy and I really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention. And we hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater courage and curiosity. You can learn more about Wendy and her pottery at? Uh, Renpottery.com. That's W-R-E-N-N. -N. It's got one more N than the bird does. Um, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Ren Pottery as well. Fantastic. Stop by the house. Stop by the house. And yeah. of course, it's always great to see you at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Wendy Wren, thanks so much for your time and for sharing your story with us today. Thanks, Scott.